you all know the game uh, Telephone? The kids game? Well, we're going to play it here for, for just a moment. Uh, let's see here. I've got to pick a couple rows that are close to each other. So, you know, for those of you who need a refresher course in Telephone, it's that I will say one sentence one time to Pete here, and he'll pass it down the row, and then I'll go to Larry and come all the way back here to Mike. We'll just do these two rows. I'm not trying to exclude you all, but I've got a few other things I want to say here today. I gotta turn this mic off too so y'all don't hear it. Mike, what did you hear? My cousin from France did a swan dive into a lake full of slippery eels. Not bad. Not bad. Pretty good listening, folks. To a completely nonsense sentence. So I bring this up because about a month ago, towards the end of my sabbatical, a very good friend of mine, one of my closest friends in the world who is like me in his mid-40s, is an accomplished marathoner, I think his best time is like 2.37 or something, found out that he needed open-heart surgery. He needed to have a bicuspid valve. I won't go into all this. I think the one heart surgeon in the you know, arena today may understand this. <laughs> needed to have a valve replacement. And it actually turns out it's a very routine surgery for open heart surgery. And chances are very good he's going to totally recover. But we're in our mid-40s now. And when one of our friends has open heart surgery, we want to be around each other. I think we should always kind of honor that instinct. And so some of us, this group of close friends, went up to Ithaca, New York, spent time with his family. And that night when we stayed over, uh, my friend's 10-year-old son said, let's play Telestration, which is like telephone plus Pictionary put together. Now, if you don't know what this is, I'm going to show it to you right now. So the first person gets a phrase and they have to draw it. And the next person only has to write what they see in the first one, not knowing what the original sentence was. So it goes like this movie reel. That's that person in number one position thought would look like a movie reel. Movie reel equals gym buddies (laughs) equals... Ninjas on a boat (laughs) equals Ninja Turtles on a boat becomes pirate ship. (laughs) This game is so much fun. And it's how a couple of us at the table, those of us with not quite well-developed artistic sensibilities or, let's be blunt, talent, got from one of us getting that first word or that first phrase, dog chasing its tail, into what I saw he drew, mutant pig bug. (laughs) Hours of this, hours of this kind of fun. Gave ourselves over to it. I don't think I've ever seen a 10-year-old boy have this much fun at the expense of the adults around him. (laughs) And it was totally deserved. It illustrates a point that is basic to all of our lives, which is that so much of the richness of our lives, the depth and the meaning is as much about our attitude towards what's happening as much as it is what is actually happening. That the magic and fun and wonder we can derive from our lives and that we experience is about what we allow ourselves to remain open to and to remain flexible with. 
This is one of the core parts of what it means to be part of this spiritual tradition, this Unitarian Universalist tradition of which Wellsprings is a part. Here at Wellsprings, our core belief, we call it this. The burning bush is blazing everywhere. It's basically saying creation is not long ago and far away. As Emerson, our spiritual ancestor, said, God speaketh, not spake. Another way to put it is revelation is unsealed. Creation is not formed and done and capped. It is going on right here, right now in our midst. If we remain open to it. Today's last spirit flicks of the summer, this movie called Boyhood, is a creation story. We literally see a life evolving and coming to be. And not just one life, but many lives. Some of you know about this movie, even if you haven't seen it. I guarantee you it's unlike anything you've ever seen because it is 12 actual years. The film was put together over 12 actual years. And so we see this boy, this young boy, Mason, named for him, Boyhood, this movie is, Go from age six to age 18. His sister, his parents, everyone else in his life, we see how they age. It is unlike anything I've ever seen. And one of the cool things is that they kind of clue us in on the passage of time through things like, uh, what year did that Britney, that annoying Britney Spears tune that his sister is singing to wake him up in the morning come out? (laughs) What did smartphones look like five years ago, ten years ago? What did all those Apple products look like? When was that Harry Potter book release, midnight book release that he went to? Which is to say, in this movie, it's kind of skimpy on plot. (laughs) And that's its glory. Because it's like our lives. I mean, our lives are full and rich. And yes, every once in a while, there are huge dramatic twists and turns. But most of the time, life is just life, right? But if we have that attitude, eh, life is just life, nothing's happening, how much do we miss? Because here's the thing, the impression I had when this child was growing up on screen, and we see him at age six, and we see him at age 18, he's about to go away to school. There is so much that happens to him, and by extension to us in this life that we do not choose. It simply just happens. In the movie, it's parents trying to stay together and then not staying together. A move occurs. A new job is started. A job is lost. A love begins. A love ends. People die. New people enter the scene. At one point, right towards the end of this movie, Mason, the boyhood or the boy in the boyhood, is at his first day of college. And he meets a young woman, and it's clear there's a kind of a spark, a connection between the two of them. And they're having this kind of first-year, freshman-year kind of philosophizing session with each other. And she, quoting Thoreau, says, carpe diem, seize the day. But, but she says, no, it's not that at all. It's not seize the day. It's not seize the moment. It's actually that the moment seizes us. If we allow it, the moment seizes us. All throughout this movie, I had a phrase running through my head that they didn't mention in the movie, but goes like this. And maybe you've seen it, especially in comedies. It's kind of an understatement thing when someone has like a lump on their head. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. You know that kind of ironically said, ooh, that's going to leave a mark. Well, for good and for ill, all these things that are happening to and with Mason all throughout this life that we see his developing, being created 
all these things leave an impression for good or for ill. We pay attention to our lives. We will see all the ways in which we left impressions in other people's lives and all the ways in which they're leaving impressions in our lives, hopefully in ways that help and heal rather than harm or hurt. For me, it brought up this beautiful prayer of a line from the book of Isaiah in the Hebrew scriptures. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. Call what you will. Spirit, life, God, this moment. Here's what I firmly believe. That this larger reality is always trying to seize us. Always trying to wake us up and get us to pay attention. That it's not so much seize the moment as allow ourselves to be seized. To allow our ongoing formation of our lives to happen and to continue to be formed. But this happens most primarily through this. By being the clay. Not the individual pot but by remembering to be the clay and to be flexible. So important to remember to be the clay and not the pottery because life itself is formation. Because the truth of the burning bushes blazing everywhere that God speaketh not spake is not some intellectual thing. Thinking about it will not help us grow. (laughs) Recognizing that right here, right now is not all that much different. Yes, in form... (laughs) But not in content, not in the essence of what is from any other day of creation that has ever been. Not formed long ago, not far away, but here and now. The forming is still going on, never ending. All these impressions in the clay of our lives, they all matter if we pay attention. There's a scene in this movie where Mason's mom who in some ways is having the most challenging life of everyone else on the screen. She's had a couple, several marriages that have not worked out. And it's just before Mason's about to go away in college, and she's feeling maybe something that a lot of you of parents have felt, which is that everyone's going away and leaving me. And in that moment where she and her son are at lunch together, the manager of the restaurant that they're in comes over and says to her, You may not remember this, but a few years ago, you gave me words that encouraged me to go back to school and I'm getting my degree right now. And what you said to me was so incredibly important. By the way, we do see that in the movie. But she had forgotten it. She had forgotten the impression she left in someone else's clay that inspired them and gave them life. If we allow ourselves to be seized by the moment of our lives, we will give ourselves fully to what is going on, not wait for someday else, somewhere else to come about, but be here, be now, and pay attention to the impressions of this moment. This is perhaps the core spiritual practice of all the spiritual practices, how to deal with a life that is by definition impermanent. That is always changing. That is always flowing. That is always in flux. This is why some beautiful spiritual practices are built around this idea of learning to deal with impermanence. You might know what a a mandala or a mandala is. This is a sand one. It's being formed painstakingly by these Tibetan Buddhist monks. And then the next thing is, sometimes we'll see it, 
Wow. Wow. Look at it. Look how beautiful. How to tell all by hand, all by colored sands. And then you know what happens? Whoosh. It gets swept away. It's there for a time. It leaves an impression. It leaves its beauty. And then it changes. This is a heart training in love and in change. And it reminds us that the best solid things in life are always conveying the fact that at their base, at their essence, they are all movement and flow and change and the potential for transformation. They are never solid all the way down. So during my sabbatical, my wife and I took a a trip to Italy. And occupational hazard, especially when you're traveling with me, as she lets me know about, um, especially if you're in Rome, you're going to see a lot of churches. (laughs) I think the favorite thing that I saw in Rome, and it was just a city of absolute delights. It is an eternal city because I think it could take an eternity to understand it. But this is the favorite thing that I saw. That is Bernini's The Ecstasy of St. Teresa. Some of you may have seen this in person before. Some of you may have studied in art history. Some of you may have read about it. And most people fixate understandably on the fact that this uh, sculpture kind of really narrows that space that a lot of people want to separate out between spiritual ecstasy and sexual ecstasy. Get close to this, and this is some pretty racy kind of stuff. What I really notice most about it, and I notice that in all the things I've ever seen from Bernini, is that's marble. But it's like the marble is water. It flows. All the best solid images of our life never try to lie to us and say they're completely solid. They convey the fact that they are flowing and reminds us of the deep down flow of love and life at the center of this existence. If we keep in mind that forming flow, we can weather The tough stuff without growing tough hides or without growing tough hearts. We can learn to weather the tough stuff without armoring up, without closing off the heart. There's a moment here in the movie where Mason's dad is talking to him about that particularly um, teenage rite of passage. Having your heart stepped on for the first time by someone who was the most important person you could ever imagine. And Mason's understandably complaining to his dad, I don't ever want to do this again. I don't like this. What's it all about? Doesn't mean anything. And his dad kind of shrugs because he hadn't really figured it out either, by the way. And so he says, none of us knows. And then he says something really wise. But you're feeling stuff. Keep feeling things. Because you get old, your skin gets tough. He's saying, don't toughen your hide. Don't toughen your heart. That you can break, but you don't have to shatter. We can all break, but we don't have to shatter. And this isn't something that happens in realistic-like movies. It happens all the time in our lives. A story from about a year ago is about letting our hearts break, but not allowing our lives to shatter. Some of you might remember this. made all the rounds on social media. It was about the Fowler family. You may not remember that name, but you might remember this story. Two days before... Their eldest daughter's wedding, the wedding was called off. 
Maybe it's starting to come back to you a little bit. The wedding was called off. And you got the sense, although we were not allowed fully into their life story, that this was the source of tremendous disappointment and pain and heartache for them. They could have shattered right there. They could have said, understandably, we're folding up the tent of this party and going home. We're going to try and get our deposit back. And this was a big wedding. There were a lot of hopes for this wedding. And we're just going to cover up. And maybe this is the part you remember the most. That they didn't on that Saturday hold a wedding. And they were heartbroken over it. What they did is they opened up that reception hall to 200 homeless people and threw the reception for them. This is how our hearts can break without our hearts shattering. This is what it's like to be the clay, (laughs) to allow life to make impressions in us, but not as that solid, single, never-changing, always-the-same form of pottery. Carol Fowler said, and she's absolutely right, we're regular working people and anybody can do this. Anybody can be the clay and not the pottery. That we are always forming and never truly formed. That, yeah, the sentence can start out as one thing or the picture can start out as something else. And over there, by the end, after it's filtered through all our lives, the meaning changes and it grows. Especially at this moment. Especially at this time of the year. Ah, last official weekend of summer. Someone reminded me, yes, it goes till September 20th. (laughs) You got your white shoes on, Frank. The style folks tell us there's one more day for that. This back to school. Hey, you're going to blame me for messing around with how you do announcements. I'm going to come back at you here. Especially at this moment, this back to school vacation is ending last holiday weekend of summer in which the busyness and the pace and all the stuff in our lives just seems to kind of gin itself up again. And some of those frivolous, fun summer things, maybe we feel like, okay, nine months off for them until we can get back to them. All these serious fall things begin again. This day before this Labor Day, we got to remember that all work and no play make us not just dull. They make us not grow. But all work and no play means we forget what really all that work, <laughs> whether it's work inside the home, outside the home, wherever and however we define our work. What is all that work for? If it's not to continue the ongoing formation of our lives and recognize creation is not done and we are not separate from creation. And so I've got a gift I want to give you all. It comes with a caveat. Please don't immediately give this to the children in your life. This is for you. The kids probably already have it. This gift is to remind you to continue to play that you, all of us, me, we are all still forming. And this is the gift. Be the clay, not the pottery. Take one and pass it on. 
be the clay, not the pottery. Put your hands in the good earth of the Play-Doh and have some freaking fun, especially in those moments, especially in those moments. You know the moments. Maybe today was one of those moments, exactly one of these kind of moments when you're thinking, I'm all about protection. I'm all about armoring myself. I'm all about protecting the one form of the pot and the pottery that I have right now. Get out your freaking Play-Doh in those moments. And remember that you can still make impressions. Play with it now if you want to. Leave it somewhere where you're going to remember it. Put it in the place where you are at your most serious and most stern and most adult and most fixated and most formed. And remember, none of us is done yet. God speaketh, not spake. Revelation is unsealed When you want to put yourself on the shelf and observe your life as if it was a masterwork of finished art. Remember that before you were ever the pottery, you were the clay. And you still are. May you be blessed in your clayness. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. Oh, great potter, (laughs) may we allow ourselves the permission to consent to what is already there, which is creation itself, that we are not long ago and far away, that there is both the faithless and the hopeless word bigger than any kind of creed that some of us still hold at our hearts. It's all done for me. I've done all the growing. I've done all the changing. I've done all the morphing. In those moments when we remember that creation itself is the interplay of so many elements and so many impressions. And when we turn our hands and open our hearts again to this great truth. Creation is not long ago and far away. May we be beings born of a playful and forming spirit. Be playful and ever-forming humans. Amen.